on today? Good. Good to see you this morning, and I uh, haven't been in the pulpit for the last couple of weeks, but um, to, to be able to to uh, preach this morning, and we're in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 25. Why don't you give those to me, that Brianna? And uh, we're in a new series, and um, we're uh, talking about what it means to be a good neighbor. And I want to encourage you over the next month uh, to do a couple things. Again, I want to remind you of our random acts of kindness cards and uh, we want you to grab these on the way out and just in a tangible way as we go through the series this month, uh, think of ways in which you could be a blessing to those that, that you are a neighbor to and, uh, or someone that's in the community and, and, and a way to uh, intentionally and um, strategically show love to people that uh, may need to just have a random act of kindness done in their life so that they can see the love of Jesus. Amen? And so we want to invite you to do that. And then coming up, is uh, asked Brianna for two things, and she brought me six. So we'll work through that. Um, then we have our Harvest Fest coming up. And this is a great opportunity. Thank you, Jules. You're the best, right? <laughs> right? And so uh, our Harvest Fest is coming up here in a couple of weeks, and we're excited for that. We want you to invite your friends and family and your neighbors and your coworkers or anyone that doesn't have a church that they regularly go to. We're not trying to take people from another church, but we're trying to bring people into the family of God that don't know Jesus, Right? And so we want to work to those ends, and that's in part what this series is all about. Um, over the next month, we want to discuss what it means to, to look like and be the kind of neighbor, right, that um, God has called us to be. And, and when my kids were little, um, I don't know if your kids are this way, I, I would imagine uh, most of your children are super spiritual and they came out super godly, right? Um, mine didn't, right? And uh, they came out pretty pagan, and they were far from God, and and uh, they came to Christ, and even then, we're working on sanctification. And um, when they were like five years old, they used to get in these little fights and uh, skirmishes, right, over who, whose toy this was, and and uh, you played with my, you took my thing, and you know. And, and so, w- when they were very young, we we taught them the great commandment: love God and love your. And I would always ask them, "Who is your closest neighbor?" Right? I'd always ask them that. And and, and at five, they'd be like, "Well, you know, uh, the guy that lived next door." They'd say his name and. Um, you know, on and on. And I said, okay, who's even closer than that? And my oldest, uh, she's funny and she gets, um, I pray for her, her sarcasm she gets from her dad. When she was five years old, she would always say, I'd say, who's your neighbor? And she knew that I was trying to lean into her about how she treated her sister. And I wanted her to say, who is your closest neighbor? And I wanted her to say, sissy's my closest neighbor. Because then I would say, go and do likewise, love her, right? Be nice to her. And she would always say, mommy. I say, okay, I mean, I would just go through this, like, this, like, legal questioning, right? Okay, I get it. Mommy's your neighbor. Treat her nice. Who else? Daddy. I'm like, well, who else? And she's like, I don't know. She would not say Brianna. And then here's the crazy thing. This morning, we're at, we're, I take the girls out to breakfast most Sunday mornings, and we're sitting there, and uh, we go through this whole, going through the whole scenario again, you know? Because you know, I'm teasing my kids this morning, and hopefully they won't need therapy when they grow up. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I asked her this morning. They were in a skirmish about something. And I said, hey, sweetie, who's your, who's your closest neighbor? I'm teaching on this today. And she goes, mommy. I mean, just <laughs> whole thing, man. And I just said to her, you know, baby, you're 13 years old. Let's cut, let's cut to the chase, right? <laughs> you're being sinful right now, and you need Jesus. We're discussing over the next week what it means to look like being a good neighbor. We're going to talk about orphans embraced, the poor empowered, the lonely loved, 
And I think about the lonely love. You know, there's widows in our church that um, their spouses died that have been married 40, 45 years, and they're, they're super lonely. Um, I think of Bev Kovar this morning who this week couldn't get out of bed, and she had to call uh, her son to come over, and they rushed her to the emergency room, and then the next day she couldn't get out of the bed, and the, the paramedics had to come over again. And then Lorraine Cole, who's uh, one of the older ladies in our church, and um, she can't hardly leave her home uh, just because some of the illnesses. And, and that doesn't make them any less a part of the body of Christ, but that creates a loneliness that the church should uh, enter into that space and love them and serve them and, and show them the love of Christ. I mean, the church should be completely different than the world around us. And then we look at this issue of race, and we talk about racism and pre- prejudices put down, and, and each one of these spaces are, are unique in their own right. Uh, and uh, next week, we're going to have a representative from Safe Families here to talk about what it means to foster an adoptive care, and uh, how can our church enter into that, into, that, um, into that space and make a difference by the grace of God. Now, in our passage today, Jesus addresses what it means to be a follower of Christ. This, this lawyer, this attorney, he stood up and he, but verse number 25, it says he put Jesus to the test saying, teacher, what should I do to e- inherit eternal life? Because that's, that's really, he, I don't know that the, the lawyer necessarily wanted to know that. I think he was trying to uh, buttonhole Jesus and catch Jesus off guard, which is, let's, can, can we just be honest? Like, why would you do that with Jesus, right? You know, I mean, he's like a verbal ninja, like he's just going to set you straight, right? And so he asks Jesus, what do I need to do in eternal life? And Jesus puts it back on him. And uh, I love it when people answer questions with questions. Sometimes I want to crack them, but I'm not going to do that to Jesus, right? But he says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your, your, your strength, and with your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Now go do this, and you will live. Now when he says you will live, it means that you will live forever, right? And so what Jesus essentially is talking about is what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to live life in the kingdom of God and to live for the kingdom of God? Because ultimately, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day had no desire to live in the kingdom of God and follow Jesus. That wasn't their plan. And so Jesus begins to uh, give them truth for what it meant to advance his kingdom, and he goes straight to this issue of, of, of race, he goes straight to the issue of hate, and he goes straight to the issue of prejudice. And ultimately, if you're taking notes, you might write this down, he confronts their lack of love. That's what he's talking about here. And if you and I are going to be the neighbors that God has called us to be as followers of Christ in the kingdom of God, we will be a people that are characterized and marked by and motivated, motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. Because in his kingdom, those who gain eternal life, according to Christ, will be those who are marked by, lo- by love. And so Jesus, uh, he goes straight to a story and begins uh, d- talking about those who are different than us. He does it with the Pharisees, and ultimately he's confronting our own prejudices and our own judgments. And, and, and I, don't, I don't imagine, right, that truly anyone really in this room would, would be characterized as a racist, but I think we all, can we all agree with this? We all tend to have prejudices about certain things. And it might be over race, and it might be over education, and it might be over a socioeconomic background, it might be over nationality or a political party, and on and on and on, on we can go. We tend to, unbeknownst to us, we bring our prejudices into the church, we bring them into our relationships, we bring them into our context, 
and we, by nature of a, of a heart that is broken, we tend to be people that are very judgmental. And ultimately, this is what Jesus is confronting in this particular passage of Scripture. But what's, what's fascinating is that he's confronting them with the people that they hated. He confronted their racism. He confronted their prejudice. And, and, and when that word racism comes up, for a lot of folks, it makes them feel very uncomfortable. And I understand that. Just this morning, my daughters and I, we were talking about, you know, I, uh, the girls were talking this morning, like, hey, Brianna's like, uh, Ellie, will you play with me this afternoon? And Ellie's like, and Ellie asked this weird question trying to get out of, actually, she's kind of like the lawyer, the attorney in this thing. And she's just like, well, what do you mean play? And I'm like, you know, so we had this, had a whole nother dialogue about that. And so she's like, well, I want to play babies. And, and Ellie's like, I don't like babies anymore. And this is what I said. Why don't you guys play cowboys and Indians? I was just being a smart aleck, right? And Ellie's, Ellie's like, well, they're not Indians. They're Native Americans. <laughs> like she just went into this conversation. And I'm like, okay, when I was a kid, She's like, well, I've got a bunch of sources from my school that they said it's not Indians. They, Columbus came to America. He thought they were from India, so he called them Indians, but they're really Native Americans. And, I mean, we just went into this whole thing. And so my point is this, right? And I hope that I have some currency here to talk to our church about a very difficult topic, topic here. My point is this. You know, we can be oversensitive to some of these issues. We can. And, and I want to be mindful of that today because I don't think any of us want to be needlessly offensive, but... We need to have these conversations. We need, to, we need to be able to speak about these issues. Just this week on the news, there was a gentleman that was babysitting um, two white kids, and he was an African-American, and a white lady saw them, and she was uncomfortable with what she saw, so she called the police. The police officer shows up, right? And he understood what was going on, and um, it was on Good Morning America. I don't know if any of you saw it, but, but could you imagine, like, if, it, if that were a white male with two black children or two African-American children, there would be no issue, right? And here's the thing. This, this makes us uncomfortable, right? But we need to speak into these issues that are permeating our culture, and we need to speak to them in a way that is gospel-centered and in a way that would honor Jesus Christ. And Christians need to enter into these spaces. And I want to say this, okay, because I know this is going to offend some of you. Hey, listen, I grew up in this deep south where when you went to church, you got a card uh, every year during election time that, that kind of showed you who to vote for. And I'll be honest with you, when I moved up north, I didn't know you could be a Democrat and actually be a follower of Jesus Christ. I just didn't think you could do that. I, just, I didn't know, right? It was just ignorance on my part. And I know, like, some people elevate their political party, and I, I want to say this today. We are not of this world. Our kingdom is the kingdom of God. And we don't represent a political party. And I can sit here this morning and I can show you what my political beliefs are. But at the end of the day, when my political beliefs come in contrast or conflict to the word of God, his word always wins out. I don't know if you've read the book, but at the end of Revelation, the United States isn't there. We're rolling into Armageddon with Jesus. We're not rolling in with a presidential candidate that's, you know, a donkey or an elephant. We're rolling with Jesus. And so at some level, we have to get over this. We have to move beyond our prejudices and our judgments because the Bible teaches clearly that there will be people saved from every tribe and every tongue and every nation to the glory of God. 
And so we move beyond, and, and, and even in our, our immediate culture, there's this, there's this issue of, of race, but then you go beyond that, and there's the, the issue of, uh, you know, it's when September 11th happened. And now we have the, 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 the issue of, of, of Muslims and the religion of Islam and our, our fears and our, our prejudices towards that. And so how do we as the church move into these spaces? And so we get so worried about being PC, and there's a lot of complexity to these issues, but Jesus makes it clear that the gospel transcends the differences between us. The gospel transcends the differences between us. That's religious differences. That's racial differences. That's socioeconomic and educational differences. On and on and on we can go. The gospel unites us to the heart of God. The gospel transforms us so that rather than uh, despising people because of their differences, we love each other, and get this, we celebrate our differences, amen? Our Polish brothers and sisters are here from, from Poland, and, and they do things differently than we do. And guess what? That's okay. And that's the beauty of the, the body of Christ and the beauty of the church. Because the, the gospel has the power to unite us in God's love, and it gives us a common purpose in advancing the kingdom of God. And so in our text, we see one of the religious leaders asking Jesus, well, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what is written in the law? The lawyer says, love the Lord your God with yourself. And wanting to ju- justify himself, look at what he says in the following verse. He says, who's my neighbor? Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers with a story about a man beaten, robbed, and left to die. And a priest and a Levi passed on the other side to avoid this man's situation. And Jesus said it was a Samaritan who ministered to this man. And in this particular text, we find Jesus confronting the prejudice and racism of an entire race. And he, and he does so by confronting their love for others that are different. And I want to ask our church this morning, can we be confronted by the gospel, of, uh, you know, in our love for other people that are different from us? Can we do that? Can we evaluate and take, uh, and some of you this morning, maybe these issues aren't prevalent to you. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're, not, they're, maybe they're not in your space right now, but there are some folks sitting in this room that they face these issues every day of their life. And 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed uh, out of death into life because we love the brothers, and, and whoever does not love his brother abides in death. And listen, if there's one thing that should characterize the people of God, it's our love for each other. No, let, let's get down with division and up with Jesus' love, Right? So often in the church, we are known for what we're against and not what we're for. And we need to be known as a people who love those around us and those who are in need. Men and women who have been transformed by the gospel will love their neighbors regardless of what their situation may be. Regardless of their race, regardless of their academics, regardless of their socioeconomic background, their culture, and and so on and so forth. And honestly, most of the time, we tend to love people that do for us, right? And these two religious men are walking down the way, and they see a man in need that's been beaten and broken and, and left to die. And they, there's nothing that that man could do for them. But those of us who follow Christ, those who are wanting to advance the kingdom, we step into that space and we love people who can't do something for us in return. Friends, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus wants us to confront our prejudices and our lack of love in this series, and our prejudices can run deep. It could be that, that it might be an issue of different music. It might be a piercing or a language or an accent. Ultimately, it, it might be a, uh, the problem of a different color of skin. And yet the gospel teaches us who our neighbor is and how to love them like Jesus does. 
Love goes the distance. Hmm. Love goes the distance to serve our neighbors. I mean, look, when you look at what Jesus did for us, there were no links that Jesus was unwilling to go to redeem those who he loved. And in 1 John 3, 17 and 18, he says, if, if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet he closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Friends, I'm going to tell you, that's where the rubber meets the road for those of us who know, love, and follow Jesus Christ. The rubber meets the road, and not by what we say, are you guys with me? But by what we, not by what we say, but by what we, amen? So, John's kind of cut and dry on the issue. Love takes action when it sees an injustice and a need. And I want to ask you, in this series, will you be willing to take action when you see a need? Will you be able to step into the dark places that God has called us into and have the difficult conversations? Because, see, following Jesus is more than a moral life, but it's a life that seeks to spread his love to those who are far from him and to those who are in need. That's what I want you to see, first of all, in our text this morning, verse number 29. Jesus, first, the first thing he does is he confronts their superiority. And maybe sometimes we need to be confronted with that because we think that when Christ called us to salvation, and when God chose us to be one of his children, we feel like we are, like, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't he choose me? I'm on the varsity team, like, right? Now, we would never say that out loud, but, like, we tend to live that way, and we tend to believe that way, and Jesus confronts that from the very outset. The lawyer says, who is my neighbor? And he was wishing to get himself out of the difficulty by throwing on Jesus the definition of neighbor, which Jews interpreted very narrowly and technically, excluding Samaritans and the Gentiles. Jews were deeply proud, and they were prejudiced people, and the bedrock of this attitude is believing that we are in some way superior to others created in the image of God, right? That's really what what it means to be superior to someone else, is, is believing that I am superior to someone else that they too have been created in God's image. And listen, that's not a good form of human dignity. That's not a way that we as followers of Jesus Christ show his love and live out this principle of being a neighbor that loves God with all of his heart. You see, in this passage, there's two men. Both of them were religious, likely returning from their religious duties. Both of these men had the same opportunity to minister them. And what I want to say to you this morning is that you can be deeply religious, and yet you can be indifferent and ignore the needs of those around you. Are you with me? You can be deeply religious, and you can ignore the needs and be indifferent to the needs of those around you. And for Jesus, what he's saying in this passage of Scripture is, that's unacceptable. That's not going to fly in the kingdom of God because those who love me and those who love their neighbor are going to go the distance to show the love that I've shown to them. An opportunity was lost to become better men and good stewards of what God had given to them. And this is the price of superiority. That's Listen, are you guys with me? That's what we lose. When we don't consider the opportunities and the divine moments that God uh, 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 sets us in, we miss out on God's best for our life and the opportunity to love those who are far from God. James 2.9 says, but if you show partiality, you're committing sin and you're convicted by the law as transgressors. You know, it's hard to reach out and it's hard to neighbor when there's a spirit of superiority. 
Because love flows from a heart to your neighbors, listen, when you've been gripped by the grace of Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul talks about this. Paul says, look, man, I, he goes, the love of Christ, it constrains me. Ultimately, what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth was that the, the love of Christ, it motivates me. And the word that, that's used there, it's, it's the word compel, constrains, motivates. It's this idea of being pressed together. Paul's like, man, I've been pressed on in the love and the grace of Jesus Christ in such a way that it just moves me to do and to, to, to be what God has called me to be. So for those of us who follow Christ, those who want to advance his kingdom, there's no space in our lives for hatred. There's no space in our lives to be judgmental to lift ourselves above those that God has called us to minister to. And when I say to minister to, to minister with, we're not coming in as a savior to help people. We're coming alongside of people to point them to Jesus Christ. And again, I remind you, the gospel, it transcends race, economics, education, and there aren't any, listen, there aren't any superior followers of Jesus Christ. We all come to Jesus the same way, and that's at the foot of the cross. So he confronts their superiority, but he also confronts their sin. I love what he says in verse 33. Jesus begins talking to this this religious leader, the religious elite, this audience, an audience who hated the Samaritans. And he says to them, but a Samaritan, but a Samaritan. As he journeyed, came to where he was, and I love that. I mean, there's a whole message there. There's a Samaritan, and that Samaritan came to where he was we're ever going to minister to people, we need to come to where they are, right? We need to meet them in their place of need. And then the Bible verse goes on to say, the passage goes on to say, and he had compassion on him. He had compassion. And so Jesus pushes beyond an issue of superiority to an issue of a lack of affection and animosity towards those that they considered their en- enemies. He illustrated his point by using a Samaritan because Christ was good at exposing the sinfulness of religious professionals. And listen, we do, man, we do this. I mean, look, some of you come to church week in and week out, carrying your Bible, bringing your tithe, and, and attending church, and, and, and listen, you're playing the game. But on the inside, there are prejudices, and on the inside, there is, judge, there is a judgmental attitude, and there is a, there is a heart of criticism, and there, listen, and even if there isn't, right, maybe in your heart, there's just a, there, there's an indifference. We see the plight around us, and we look in our world today, and we see sex trafficking. We see racism. We see that there are kids that are, that are abused and, and, and without a home. And, and I mean, I'm just this week, I'm, I'm studying and I'm trying to prepare for next week's message on foster care and adoption. And there's like half a million kids, man, that don't have a home. And you know why they don't have homes? Because mom or dad is like incarcerated or mom and dad's on, on drugs or, or there's some legal issue or there's some domestic violence or there's some sexual abuse going on in their home and they have no place to live. And that should break our heart. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, if we've truly been gripped by the grace and love of Christ, that should press in on us. And it should, it should move us from a place of inaction to, I've got to do something about this. And I want to say this to our church today, ignorance isn't an excuse. If I'm rolling down the street and the speed limit's 35, and I've done this on several occasions, but I'm doing 65 because there's no one on the road, and the police pulls me over and he says, hey, did you know you're speeding? I'm like, I didn't know the speed limit. He's not going to let me go because I didn't know. Can I get an amen? The Bible teaches us to whom much is given, much is required. 
Jesus exposes their sinfulness and their lack of love by showing them someone that should have reciprocated the hate they had for them, but instead, this person chose love. Jesus just threw this, like, he threw this back on them. He said, there's this Samaritan. And in their mind, their jaws would have dropped because why would a Samaritan stop by and help a Jew? We, we hate the Samaritans. I mean, when they talked about the Samaritans, they were a byword. The word Samaritan was associated with heretic or devil. The Samaritans, and Dr. Carter mentioned this last week, they were half-breeds. And they, didn't, they had no appreciation for them. And so this would have been shocking to them. And they were, uh, they were divided on this issue of the Samaritans. And they didn't consider Gentiles or Samaritans their neighbors. And, and Samaritans were excommunicated by the Jews. In fact, they hated Gentiles so much that in the temple they had this rule that said no Gentile may enter the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and the enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Gentiles were thought of and called pigs. Like they hated them. And they're like, hey, you want to come and worship? You can't go beyond this point. If you go beyond this point, you're going to die. Like, hey, how's that for like a, you know, we're going to open our doors and welcome you into the church and family of God. Amen. But if you go past this point, we're going to chop, chop you up, right? I don't know what they did back then. But it wasn't good, right? And so Jesus totally confronts this, this partiality. He confronts this, this, this prejudice that they had. And so to the Jew, there was no place for Gentiles. There was no place for Samaritans. They were hated. And I want to tell you this morning, that was never God's plan. He loved the world and the Jews weren't loving the ones that he sent them to love. Can I get an amen on that? And I know in our culture today, I mean, there's like a lot of stuff going on in our culture today. I mean, we can go on and on, and, and, and we can talk about the racial divide that's in our country. And I know for some of you, you're like, you may not even be aware of some of those issues that are going on. But they are. And our country is becoming more and more divided. And as followers of Jesus Christ... We need to find things that we can agree upon so that we can point people to Jesus Christ. And and, and beyond the issues of our country and our culture, we look beyond, um, I mean, you look at Mike Knapper. Mike Knapper is in Burkina Faso, and he is witnessing to and sharing the gospel at at the fear of losing his life, right? To those who want to attack our country on a day, they're plotting on a daily basis how they can take out infidels or the Americans. And here's a, 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 a white male American in his 40s going to another country, to a people that hates us, so that they can know about the love of Jesus Christ. That's what makes the difference. Not our political party. Not our agendas. Not our prejudices and not our beliefs and not our, 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 our understanding of the issues that we think that we have. What brings us together will always be a bloody cross and the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So Jesus confronted their lack of love for those who were different. It may be someone of a different race. It might even be the issue of the refugee crisis, which I don't have time to get into today. But either way, as a Christian, we make, listen, we make a place for those who need help and who need the gospel. That's what Christians do. We make a place for those. We open our homes, our hearts, and our lives, and then we invite those in need to enter in. This is what love does. It may seem radical. It may seem weird. Like, you want to welcome refugees into our country? What would Jesus want us to do? 
How can we minister into these spaces where these people are fleeing countries out of a fear for their life? And I understand the political issues that we face in regard to uh, allowing people into our borders, but what an opportunity when people come from a different country to share with them the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, before we get up in arms about it, there are some folks in this room today that came to America and heard the gospel, and now they're trying to get it outside the borders of our country. And that deserves an amen. we got to be advancing the gospel. And when God brings the world to our doorstep, we celebrate and take advantage of those opportunities. And ignoring the needs of others or the issues of prejudice that bombard our culture is not an option for those who live for the kingdom. And so I want to ask you today, would you pray that God would just open your eyes? God, help, help me to open my eyes to the issues that are in our world today. And help me to, look, anytime tradition is confronted with truth, truth should always win out. Can I get an amen? I don't care what your political party is. I don't care what your religious tradition or your, your religious background is. When the word of God is presented and it comes in conflict with tradition, truth should always be elevated and obeyed. So ignoring the issues are not an option. So we pray. Pray that God would open your eyes, soften your heart. Not letting pride or prejudice impede the kingdom work that we're called to. But then, in verses 33 through 37, Jesus calls them to serve. This is what he does. Can you imagine this? He's talking to this Pharisee who's trying to buttonhole him. And, and he, the guy's like, hey, what do I need to do in our eternal life? He says, well, what does the law say? Love your God, love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? Jesus. Well, let me tell you a story. A story about a guy that fell to robbery. Two men walked by, a religious man and a Levite. But a Samaritan came by. He saw this man was in need. He ministered to him. And, it, and when you read the story, it's a picture of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. He didn't just bandage him up and fix him up. He he did that, and then he said, here, here's some extra money to take care of his needs while I'm gone, and if he has anything else to his account, when I get back, I will pay for that. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Christ. Because when we got saved, we got forgiven of our past, present, and our future stuff. Can I get an amen? Oh, man, he washed us clean. But the Samaritan was the one that had compassion on this man's experience, and he served him. I want to say this today, and I, I don't say this lightly. But I say it from a pastor's heart because if it's not said, then uh, where are we, what are we left with? But serving Christ, and I want our teenagers to hear this. Serving Christ will always come with risks. When you serve Christ and you live for the kingdom of God, it's not always safe. When you live for Jesus, it's not always easy. Sometimes it's difficult and sometimes it's hard. The two religious men were not willing to trust God. Some commentators said, well, you know, they passed by on the other side. Like they saw the dude like, oh, man, they just walked over here. They did that for a couple of reasons. Maybe, A, they were in a hurry. Maybe, B, they thought that there was some other, maybe it was a setup. Like this guy was faking hurt, right? And then there were some other dudes because this was a highway that was kind of dangerous. And they thought, well, maybe this guy's faking it. And I get close to him, like knifes me and takes my stuff. Like we don't know. And so maybe that's why they did it. And so, um, Regardless, the point is this, those of us who have been called to serve and step into these dark places, we need to be willing to trust God. Fear overcame their faith. And I want to say this, caution is wise. Caution is wise. 
But when we take a step of faith, it's always rewarded. It's always rewarded. Fear leads us to fix our eyes inward instead of uh, one, uh, instead of the other. Jesus explained that a neighbor is the one who has compassion on others. You want to be a good neighbor? You want to walk through this series? You want to step into these dark places? You want to overcome racism and prejudice and and bigotry and hatred in our our culture? Then you're going to have compassion. There's some brothers and sisters in our room today that come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. There are brothers and sisters in this room today that come from different racial backgrounds. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a white male in my 40s, and I tend to run with men uh, like myself. But if I'm going to have compassion on them, I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to learn from them. And I'm not going to come to those conversations and to those spaces with my experiences and with my judgments. But I'm going to come and step into those experiences with what James says. I'm going to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And I'm going to step into those uh, moments with compassion. This is the man that's been born of the kingdom. Christ's calling confronts sin and superiority, and the love of Christ expels prejudice and indifference and hate. The love of Christ motivates us. Now listen, since any type of prejudice is a heart issue, the only answer to that kind of hate, listen, the hate that's in our world, it's not just in America. There's hate all over the world. You can go to every country of the world, and there's prejudices all over the world. And I'm not trying to minimize what's going on in our country but there are skirmishes and there are cultural battles being fought on every front. Our missionary, Lyle Armstrong, several years ago when he was in Lebanon, in Beirut, and Israel just decided to start dropping bombs on the Lebanese, they're standing on television and they're interviewing uh, Dr. Armstrong, our missionary there, and they said, uh, you're one of the only expatriates not leaving. Why are you not leaving? He says, well, my wife and I, we talked about it, and we just believe that if there's ever a time for us to stay and minister to the needs of the Lebanese and let them know that we love them, it's now, so we will not leave. And he goes, even though the Israelis are, are, are putting, throwing down bombs on, on Lebanon right now, you're willing to stay? He goes, yes. And even though they were God's chosen people, they too need to know the love of Jesus Christ. And so these racial divides go beyond America to every country in our world. And here's the reality. The gospel exposes our personal pride, our prejudice, and our bigotry, and it also offers the solution at the same time. The gospel burns through these barriers. It enables us to overcome our differences, and this passage shows us how that's impossible because when we serve others in the love of Jesus Christ, listen, anything is possible. When we serve others in the love of Jesus Christ, anything is possible. Now, do you see this? Jesus was making sure that we understand that only a heart that has been made new is capable of loving this way. That's what Jesus was saying. You you can't be a good neighbor until your heart has been transformed by my love. And until you've been transformed by my love, you can't love others the way that I love. So I think we have to ask ourselves the question, am I really a follower of Jesus Christ? Is this, am I confronted with this type of love? And if I am a follower of Christ, then I need to measure the love that I have for other people by the love that Christ had for me, and I might need to grow in that area. Instead of criticizing, I can show compassion, and I can lead with love and grace. I love what Ed Stetzer says, and it might be in your notes today. He says, at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ is a commitment to care for the vulnerable, the marginalized, the abused, and the wanderer. You know, this kind of love 
is willing to do whatever it takes and go wherever there's a need to make sure that people know Jesus and his love. I want to ask you this morning, is that the kind of love that describes your life? I I can see it's pretty quiet in here today, and I I can appreciate that. Because our our minds are wondering, they're, they're turning, and we're evaluating. And here's the thing. We all have a tendency to rationalize our choices. We have this tendency to rationalize our set of beliefs and our system. And what we tend to do is we read the Bible through the lens of our experience, and we read it through the lens of, um, uh, of our, our, uh, our culture that we're currently in. And what I want to ask you to do this morning is ask you this question, is that the love that Jesus is speaking of here in Luke chapter 10, is that the kind of love that characterizes your life? Is that the kind of love that, 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 is, that is marking how you live your life and by the, the beliefs that you have? I mean, is it more important to you that you are affiliated with a, a particular political party or that you're uh, affiliated with a certain set of beliefs? Or are you more concerned about demonstrating and showing the love of Christ to those who are in these spaces? Or are you like the religious leaders looking for ways to justify ignoring the problem, the inaction, and maybe even the indifference? Kingdom-minded people live from a place of compassion. As a, as, a, as a pastoral team this week, we began discussing these issues. One of the things that we recognize as a church is that there's a lot of effort that we put in our church in ministering to um, the, the predominantly white communities in our, in our area. And there are some areas in our, our community that um, there, there is a more cultural or ethnic diversity that, that we're not speaking into and ministering in those spaces. And I, I just want to say this to our church today. When we love Christ and we want to be about his agenda and advancing his kingdom, regardless of the areas that surround our church, we're going to go into those areas and we're going to share with them the gospel message of Christ, regardless of who lives there. We're not going to be bound by race or economics or education because the gospel, again, transcends all of that. It has nothing to do with geography, citizenship, or race. Wherever people, please write this down, wherever people need us, there we can be neighbors. Wherever people need us, there we can be neighbors and like Jesus show his mercy. I want to, I want to say this today. Our words don't mean much if our lives aren't a demonstration of God's love. Are you guys with me today? Our, lives don't, our words don't mean much if our lives aren't a demonstration of God's love. And can we honestly and authentically say that my life is a demonstration of God's love? When people see me, and when they see how I act, and when they see how I approach these issues, are they seeing the love of Christ? and the desire to advance his kingdom and not mine. Because if you're a Christian, you can no longer ignore the problems and the needs in our society. Ignorance to issues is not an excuse. We need to be informed. There are racial divides. There are kids in abusive homes. There are people that need help financially. There are people who are lonely. And if the gospel has gripped us, we're going to open um, our life and our homes in ways that we can serve our community and the world. We're going to put on display the love of Jesus no matter how difficult the task and no matter how different the person. I I got my own prejudice. I remember a couple years ago I was in Piatone. And Piatone, I mean, it's like we call it Piatucky. You know why? Because it's kind of of hillbilly, right? 
getting gas at Speedway right there on Route 50. And I start pumping my gas, and this dude rolls up with his motorbike, motorcycle. Somebody's going to make fun of me for saying motorbike. All right, chill. I know, Steve. It's a motorcycle. This dude rolls up, man. Cut off leather jacket, tattoos all the way up his arm. I mean, I, I, I think he probably could have taken me out. He could have. And I mean, I remember sitting in that moment. I, mean, I remember thinking, I like, I should share Christ with this guy. And not because I thought that he was lost or far from God, because I think people that, that are motor, that like motorcycles and stuff like that, they can, they can know and love and follow Jesus. Several men in our church ride, ride around on their bikes, you know, their motorcycles. And I get that. But I remember in that moment, I was like, I'm kind of scared to share my faith with this guy because I think he might, like, slit my throat. <laughs> he might take my wallet and ride away. I don't know. But are you guys with me? We all have that. We all, we all have those, those dark spaces in our heart that cause us to live in fear rather than walk in faith and boldly step into spaces that God is calling us to in that moment. So I want to ask you this morning, are your eyes open to the need around you? Because if it's not, I want you to pray that God would open your eyes. I want to ask you this morning, is your heart tender? Look, man, I know someone's going to email me this week or someone's going to pull me aside after service and start talking to me about race and white privilege and then someone might talk to me about all the ills of the day, come on, man, like, can we just for a moment, just take a breath. Uh, a few years ago, I, I said from the pulpit, like, I was so glad when the election was over because I was tired I was tired of hearing about it. And then someone started talking to me about my religious patriotism. Look, I am thankful to be American, and I am so thankful for my right to vote. But the church, has, there's no place for that in the church. You know, there's just no place for that. We, we, we'll deal with social issues. But we're not going to talk politics and, and make this a political platform. We're going to make this a place where we elevate the name of Jesus Christ and the mission of God. That's what we're going to do. And so before we get all up in arms, can I just ask you, is your heart tender? And if it's not, pray that God softens your heart. Because we're going to be talking about some really complex and difficult issues in the next several weeks. And they're issues that we can lean into and make a difference in the world. And I want to ask you, are you ready? Are you available? I mean, these two men saw this man broken and in need, and they crossed the street. And so, and so for some of us, that's our story. We see those in need, but we're indifferent, and we ignore it, and we're just like, I'm not going to do anything about this, and we move the other way. God, help us. We have the power and the truth of the gospel that can revolutionize and change the lives of those that we share it with. Why wouldn't we want to step into those places? Why wouldn't we want to minister to the lonely? Why wouldn't we want to foster and adopt? And if we can't foster and adopt, help those who have that desire. Why, why don't we want to empower the poor and uh, help them and educate them and resource them? And then I want to ask you, are you equipped? Oh, man, pray that God would resource you. I want you to consider the difference you can make if you have compassion and you're living on mission in the kingdom. Please don't leave here today without asking God to wreck your heart for what he's burdened for. All right, can we do that? Ask God to wreck your heart for what he's burdened for. And let's put down our prejudices and let's put down our judgment of other people and what they look like and what they like and how they how they how they walk and how they talk and and I know like even in our culture today even beyond race there's this issue of of boomers and millennials right and we talk about bigotry but man there's a lot of hate out there for millennials there is and there's a lot of aggravation towards boomers and I'm I, you know I'm just like well who raised them 
Like, I just want to get down to that issue, right? Who raised these millennials, right? That'll set in a little bit. But, but that, for, for some people, is very uncomfortable. So let's, let's put down the judgment and the judgmental attitude, and let's lift up the love of Jesus Christ. Can we do that? With every head bowed and every eye closed. How many say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I know for sure that I've followed Christ. I know what it means to have eternal life, be forgiven of my sins, and have a relationship with God. And I can lift my hand this morning and give testimony of that. Would you lift your hand and let me see that today? Anyone at all? Now, how many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know for certain that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know that I'm right with God, but would you pray for me today? Because I'd like to know more. Is there anyone that's like that that's here today? Anyone at all? All right, a couple questions. How many of you here today say, you know, Pastor Jason, um, God spoke to me today, and I want my heart to be tender to what God's heart is tender toward. Just lift your hand. Lift. Man, that's my prayer this morning. I want my heart to be tender to that today. All right, good. Now, how many of you say to me, just honest, no one's looking around, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, Pastor Jason, I, I struggle with these issues that we talked about today. I'm not necessarily a racist person, but I, I can be judgmental in my own way. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you in those areas, right? But if that would be you today, lift your hand and say, Pastor, I don't want to be a judgmental person. Lift it up. Keep it up. Just keep it up there for just a second. There's just something about acknowledging that. How many of you say, Pastor Jason, I want to make a difference by showing love in this next month and even beyond. And I want my life to be characterized by the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to be different. Would you lift your hand this morning and just lift it up high? And I want to be different. I want my life to make a difference. And it's going to be radical and it's going to be different. So in just a moment, we're going to have a word of prayer. And there's tons of hands all over the room. And I know that there's a lot of people here today. But I want you to come to the altar today and say, God, I, I want to I lay my, my judgmental attitude down. I want to step into these spaces and I want to show the love of Christ. And I, I want to overcome fear and I want to walk in faith. And I'm going to tell you, if you do that this morning, God is going to forgive you. He's going to resource you. He's going to, he's going to transform you. And I want to challenge you to do that today. Oh, man, that we'd have a, a slew of people come to the altar today and say, man, I want to be a good neighbor. I want to love my neighbor. I want to be marked by love. I want to make a difference in the world in which I live. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for these dear folks that have come to services today, that have come to worship you, that have come to learn from the word of God. And I just pray this morning that you would convict our hearts. And God, the dark spaces in our lives where we tend to be indifferent and we tend to, to ignore the issues around us and we, we kind of suppress the Holy Spirit and, and the, the, the judgmental, critical spirit that we tend to have rather than showing compassion. And so God, please, God, please just renew us in those areas. Please help us to minister to those who are in need, to those who are different, to those who you love. And I just pray that we listen to the Spirit of God today and that our, that our lives would be devoted to your word and that we obey what you're calling us into. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning?